this is Linda. And this is Leslie. <laughs> and we're here with Less Talk. And I'm so excited. This is our first episode. Yay! Aren't you excited? <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> I'm with my best friend since sixth, summer of sixth grade. And we are doing an episode on the virus. And I actually had a friend, Ria, that um, actually had that experience. And um, I recorded a small video with her of asking general questions about the virus and just her experience. No more, no less, not that it's real or it's not or anything like that, but just her experience of that virus. And of course, I have to get my best friend, my girlfriend to talk about it because this whole thing is about relationships and talking about how we have experiences to help other people That's so right. are you excited leslie i'm very excited and you know one of the things i have to say about linda we have been like she said we've been friends since we were 12 years old i'm not going to say how old we are now <laughs> friends for a long long time and she has a passion for people and a passion to see people's lives get better so this is just a wonderful platform to share Rhea's experience about her COVID, and we're going to see what she's gone through and how, and hopefully this is going to be a benefit to you. Yeah. Now, there are some things I love that you talked about that you felt that they need to catch or to notice. What were some of those things that you said that you liked about the video that they're about to watch? Well, one of the things that I liked, Linda, was the fact that she talked about those symptoms. Sometimes people feel the virus is so broad that they couldn't narrow it down to what was really bothering them. And in this particular case, she po pointed out some very, very detailed things that were going on that caused that alarm to set off. So that was one thing I feel like the audience needs to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Some of the things I noticed was that um, she noticed the signs. I got headaches all the time she talked about. And the neat thing is by having people in our life, like our spouse or just friends, of being aware, hey, you know, you've been complaining about a headache for a while, because I think she said for 10 days she was dealing with that. Yes. So how important it is to have a relationship with people and just being real of just noticing things and calling them out on it, you know, of just, I got a headache. You've been seeing that every day, Leslie, you got a headache. Maybe you should go to the doctor, you know? So I thought that was important. And also too, Linda, the vulnerability, because sometimes we have to be vulnerable for the people that care about us and we care about them so that they can say, hey, they can speak into our lives and say something's not right. And we should be okay with them even pointing that out because sometimes um, we feel kind of guarded. If we have things going on, especially in light of this coronavirus, if you feel like you have the coronavirus, people are shunning you, they're putting a cross up, they're running from you. But in this case, everybody's running like 10 feet away. But in this case, she was able to be vulnerable, transparent, and then other people were able to help her along the way. Even more so, she talks about how her friend posted something on media that her husband had it and want prayer for it. And she knew who to call and ask questions about. I mean, if if, her, if she would have never saw that, she wouldn't have had somebody to talk to and ask those questions. That's right, Linda, very good point. So we have to be aware, we have to be aware of the people around us, and we also have to be socially aware too. Yeah, and then um, the other big part that she was talking about was, which I asked is, what can we do to help? And it's so important that we are there for each other. Simple things like 
you're so far away that I can't come to visit, but I can call or text you just to see how you were doing. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. And what else she was talking about, I asked about um, what can you do when she said they didn't have an appetite or hate probably soup or I think it was Pedialyte or something like yeah, that. Yeah, light foods, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's to the point that we can do something or even get prescriptions for the person so they won't have to leave the house again. That's true. But I really like how you could take this video and realize how you can do or what you can do to affect um, somebody else, to make their life easier and to build that relationship. That's right, Linda, because it's about relationships. Relationships are relating to each other. So yes. good point. I'm excited to hear what she has to say. Yes. Cool, so let's start the video and let them see it and then we'll talk again afterwards. Okay. Okay, here we go. The first question I wanna ask is, how did you know you had it? <laughs> like, like, what was the process? Did you get a cold? Did it feel like a cold? And Yes, I, um, for the first two days, I, th I thought I had a cold. I had, um, I had a headache and I had a cough. And that lingered for a couple days and then the symptoms changed to more like flu-like. To where you you feel a little nausea going on with that you you've got a temperature the whole time and even though it's a low temperature you still have chills and everything so yeah it, it felt like a cold and a flu combined but worse than that wow and then once you felt like okay i might have it because of the symptoms what did you do next well you know after about five days i went ahead and scheduled a covid test and they, they had it locally, so I scheduled for that one. I got my results back pretty quick, two days later. But in between the test and the results, I did call my doctor, and he prescribed um, some medicine for me, a Z-Pak and Tamiflu, because he said, you know, without knowing what it is, they generally treat it as a flu, a cold and flu. And um, because it, it wasn't actually a cold and flu, um, that medicine didn't help me. Okay, and then can you kind of tell us about the experience of getting the test? Yeah, it's um, it's a long cotton swab, and they actually do the left side and then they do the right side. So you drive up and somebody comes out, they're fully geared up with their um, gloves and, and their face protection, and they do the test on you, and then they tell you, we'll contact you in two to three days. And wow. they go after it with getting me the results. Okay, okay. And then, um, did you have to go to the hospital? Did you have to stay at home for a hot? What is the process after that when you got your results? Well, once I got the results, I called my doctor and let him know. And uh, he had me monitoring my oxygen, my uh, blood pressure. So you have to order those, those things to keep track. So my oxygen, my blood pressure, my temperature, and I kept track of those every single day several times. And uh, he did warn me that if the oxygen got down below 92, that it was time to go to the hospital. And so um, I had read on Facebook that my friend had, her husband was experiencing the same thing and he was in the hospital and they were asking for prayers for him. So I ended up talking to her and told her I'm experiencing the same thing. So she is the one that took me. Okay. What was your experience like in the hospital? How many days were you there? I was there for a few days, but um, it, the whole experience of getting in is not easy because they don't necessarily admit you, even though you're positive and you have mm -hmm. symptoms. You, you actually have to be bad enough for them to take you in. 
And so I think because of my age and because I was dehydrated and I was weak, they uh, took me in. But I think, you know, the age had a lot because they were concerned of people over 60 at that time. So, um, you know, it, it, it took me half a day to get situated in that hospital. But I found out that COVID causes your blood to clot uh -huh. and it caused pneumonia. So they call it COVID pneumonia because they said it's a little different. And so they took a chest x-ray and that's how they could see that I actually had pneumonia now. And um, I was low on oxygen. So they immediately put me on oxygen. Wow. Okay. Um, you said it took a, three days before you came home, right? Yes. I, I ended up talking with the infectious nurse right away. And um, they said that that hospital was entitled to do trials. Not all the hospitals can do them, but they definitely can. So they talked to me about doing hydrochloroquine, rindesimir, and um, uh, they said ana possibly antibodies and other, other types of um, medications as well. So I agreed to it and they immediately hooked me up to several different IVs, um, several bags running into, I had a dual IV. So I think I had five or six bags that were running into that. Okay, and then what was your experience after that, going home from that? You know, because I got out of there pretty quickly, and they, they do want to get you out as fast as they can, because they want to, you know, they, they're so, they were so swamped at the time. I, I don't know that they are anymore, because I think the numbers are going down, but at the time they were so swamped that they really needed room. And so if you can breathe on your own, they'll let you go home and finish your treatment. So that's what I did. So I had to finish my treatment for a couple weeks. Okay, okay. And then uh, for us to know if we know somebody that's going through this, how can we help? What can we bring over? Like, did you have an appetite? Like, can I bring a meal over to help somebody? Or, you know, like, what is the best way that someone can help while you're at home recovering? You know, the one thing that you really need to keep pumping in you is fluids. So, it, you know, taking somebody water, Gatorade, Pedialyte, um, those kind of things that have the electrolytes that you're so desperately needing at that time. That would be something good to bring somebody, but the appetite is low. So if you're gonna bring anything at all, um, soup is probably the best thing because you don't really feel like eating a meal when, when you're like that. You don't even wanna eat half the time, but you know you have to if you're gonna try and fight it. But after 10 days, the fight was over because I had to go into the hospital. Wow. And then once you got home, how much longer that you actually felt like, okay, I'm back to normal, or do you, do you feel back to normal yet? I do feel back to normal. Um, the only time that I ever feel the fatigue is if I do something. If I'm running around outside, running errands, going grocery shopping, and then come home and, and doing something, maybe laundry, and then I'm wiped out, then I'm tired. And so uh, the fatigue is one, one thing that you're gonna, it just lingers. And you don't even know that you're fatigued until you do something that causes it. But in the beginning, you're fatigued. It took me, I wanna say, a good two to three weeks before I could say I was even close to normal. Wow. Okay. And then the other question that I know everybody's thinking is, how do you think you got it? You know, 
we can't figure out how I got it because I don't go anywhere or do anything. I go to the store, I go to the ATM. And at that time, I was telling the nurse, um, I had gone to the ATM every single day for three days because our ATMs here weren't functioning. So I kept going back and going back. And, you know, there's there was always a line of people. Some of them don't have masks. And they don't honor your six foot space. So, and then you're touching the ATM, which every time I went, I would put some sanitizer on or something. But then I started thinking, did I touch my bank card and put it in my wallet and not clean my wallet? And so we kind of went round and round, but we couldn't figure out where it came from. So wow. we have no idea. Okay. And then the last question is, did the doctor say there was any side effects that you could or might get or anything like that? Um, fatigue, and then he had me watching still my oxygen, my temperature and blood pressure um, each and every day just to see if it stayed steady or if it's something was out of whack again. So I did and it was, um, I'm doing fine. I still monitor it and it's, I'm still doing fine. Um, so the only side effect I had was I, I lost a great deal of hair. I, I'm continuing to lose the, my hair. And um, if I do something, then the fatigue. But other than that, and you know, this is now, you know, a couple months after that. So uh, I'm expecting that this will all subside pretty soon. That was a really good interview, Linda. I really thought how you brought out some of those points for her, sharing her experience going through that virus. Boy, that must have been a hard, hard experience for her. So thank you for allowing her to share that with our listening audience. Yeah, um, I think she still looks so beautiful. I know she talked about her losing her hair and just different mm -hmm. experience. And I know that has to be hard for just any female of, of losing their hair. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought that was um, real for her to be honest and do that. And I'm starting to hear more people say that. So um, that that's really important to know. Now, I have a question for you, Leslie. <laughs> so we talked about the virus and we talked about, you know, just the different symptoms and all that stuff. But when you are sick, what is it like? Because when I'm sick, let me tell you this first. When yeah. I'm sick, my favorite thing is saying, I know this sounds so silly, but I think it makes me feel better, at least in my head, is I'm sick. I'm sick. <laughs> I'm sick. Like I see it all day. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. And then, so what are you like when you're sick? Well, you know, when I don't feel well, it seems like my husband knows and I get a little, a little irritable. So okay. things kind of bother me. And so either, and our reactions could be one or two ways. One, it could be, she's a little irritable. She's not feeling well. But most times it's, what's wrong with you? So when it's that, then it's like, what do you mean? What's wrong with me? So then it creates another drama. So I think that I personally have to know, um, know myself in order to know how to share things with my husband because he is very, very protective. And if I say something's wrong, then his immediate response is he wants to fix it. But sometimes that's not what I want. Right. I just want you to hear me. But if yeah. your response is to fix it, then I want you to hear me, then there's another conflict, so. <laughs> you know what you just said reminds me, like me, when I see I'm sick, I want somebody to be like, oh, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, you're gonna be okay. Let's, I'll sit in here and watch TV with you. 
Yeah. But when my husband's sick, it's like, no, go on the other, you know, like, no, you, you know, like, and he does not want to get sick. So, he, so he'll go, I'll sleep on the couch until you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> me, I'll still sleep next to him. I don't care. <laughs> That's it like with you guys. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So we got to know ourselves. I think that's the key. We have to know ourselves so we don't, in other words, take the bait. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you have to accept who they are. Like, he's not that touchy-feely when I'm sick because he doesn't want to get sick. So he wants that distance. Now, there's one thing that we do do. We do do do. We do do. <laughs> okay. And that's, we make homemade soup for each other. So when we're sick, we make soup for each other. We actually cut the vegetables and boil the chicken and just the whole process of doing that soup. And I love it. Do you guys do anything like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'm gonna say this because we just went through a situation today that I, we got some disturbing news about a situation he's dealing with. And because my mind is, What's wrong with you? You shouldn't be sick. You're the man, blah, blah, blah. I, it's hard for me to kind of say, oh, honey, you're going to be okay. Let me make you the soup. So once I get past my own little issues that I got going on, just being honest, I get past that, then I can find myself being a little more nurturing to him. But it takes me a minute because it's hard for me to see people who are strong in my mind be vulnerable. Yes. Oh, wow. Now you need me. I need you to, you know, to be strong and I see that you need me now. So it's, I need to get past that part and say, we need to help each other even when we're down. Yes. Even with me, there's one time that um, he, he didn't feel like making the soup. <laughs> he didn't feel like making the soup, so he got a can and, and um, tried to give it to me and I'm sitting here like, this is, this is the home. <laughs> this is the homemade, this no. You, 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 you. <laughs> and I got to the habit, and, and, and we have to watch this because with my other shows and stuff that I do, we talk about um, expectations. And I got it to become an expectation that when I'm sick, I want homemade soup. And I had yeah. to get a mind out of that because once you start making an expectation that he's supposed to do this, you're yeah. in trouble. Yeah. It's he does it because he loves me. He does it because he cares. He does it because he he wants me to feel better. He wants me that. And when I start making it that as an expectation that he has to, then it's no more that he wants to. That it's I took away his free will. And when you take away that free will of wanting to do something for something, it's it's not real. It's not natural anymore. You start becoming like um, what's the word? Can't uh, ah mechanical. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it doesn't build your relationship. It actually starts to destroy it because now you're doing it because I don't want to hear your mouth. You know, <laughs> instead of okay. I'm doing it because I feel sorry or I feel bad or I hope they feel better. Now it's just. Yeah. Well, if I don't do it, I'm going to hear it. You know, I'm going to yeah. complain about it. So you have to be careful of that. Thank so. you, Linda, for that advice because I needed to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good advice. It's very good advice. Yeah, you have to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. So when we're sick, you just have to be more aware of what's going on. How are we acting? What is our attitude like? Like sometimes people are grouchy, like don't touch me, leave me alone. They want their space and that's fine. It's just how you ask for it. 
Yeah. And the partner has to accept that or their friend, you know, has to accept that. And other people like me wants like, holy, oh, holy. Oh, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like make it feel better, you know. <laughs> and, you know, so it, it works both ways. It's just taking the time to know you and taking the time to know your partner. And that's a big thing. Very good advice, Linda. I love that. And you know, I think that's a great segue to just talk about how important relationships are. Just like um the saying, life's lesson, love, laughter making relationships that last and that's what this is all about making that's a good quote you should say that every time like at the end you got to remind them that this is what it's about that's because right. we're not living just to have another day to go to work we're living to build relationships to, to laugh to, to love and build and strengthen our relationship with each other and and the weird thing is when people think of relationships they think of spouse only or boyfriend only and it's it's with our kids it's with our boss it's with our co-workers it's with our neighbors it's actually with strangers on the freeway it's it's you know the cashier person we have relationships with the mailman and we have relationships with all these different people but we put it in this little box thinking it's just our spouse and we're missing blessings and 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 knowledge and information and love and just feeling more alive by having these relationships with other people. That's beautiful. That's very beautifully said, Linda. Good job. I love that. So, so this is our first episode. Yay! Is there, no. Is there anything else you want to say? Do you think we should bring up about the coronavirus, about being sick and how we should understand our spouse? Anything else? I think just to leave the audience with this thought, thought for me, um, it's so important to love each other. And love looks like different things, but one thing it isn't, and that's, it's not selfish. So keep that in mind, especially as we're going through this pandemic and people are going through some really trying times. Let's show love to those who need it the most, and that's our most vulnerable ones. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm so excited. Okay, so we're about to end the episode. Say the quote that we're going to start using all the yeah. time. Okay, well, listen, everybody. Remember, it's all about life's lessons, laughter and love, because what? We're gonna make relationships that last. That sounds so good. I am so excited. <laughs> so, you guys, thank you for listening and look forward for both of us to just continue talking about relationships. How do we do a high five? Like, can you, like, is that the right way? Like, I don't know. High five like this. We can do it like this. <laughs> okay, well, stay tuned for our next episode. And um, we are bringing another topic on relationships and how to strengthen your marriage, as well as just relationships with your friends and family. Well, stay tuned. My name is Linda. And I'm Leslie. And I'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.